Well, it's the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr., and I'll be hosting again, as usual. And a special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. And I always tell you to buy the copy of Only One Shot, and that's available on Amazon. Well, today, we've got the author, VJ Trolio from Old Waverly Golf Club. And VJ is going to join us again. He's been working. He's taken some time off. He's had a pretty good season, so have his players. Feej, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, buddy. Glad to be here. You, uh, It's been a pretty cool summer for you, uh, especially a couple of your tour players. Yeah. Chad Ramey got his first win at the Dominican Republic. We've talked about that. Had a solid season. And then just this last week, uh, Allie Ewing QB. won her third Yep, she won her QB, won her third LPG event. I was on the call for the second time in three uh, her, of her wins, and I actually got to do the uh, winner's interview, which was very special to me. But uh, it, it's been that magical season for you and your players. And, <laughs> and we talked about Chad and, you know, in a solid rookie year. I mean, yeah. you've got to be pretty proud of both of these players, all your players, too, and your sons as well. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody asked me about it earlier today, and I said, it looks a lot better on Instagram. <laughs> Everything does. Everything does. <laughs> Everything does. No, uh, yeah, I'm I'm super proud of um, of all my athletes. Obviously, that that worked through it um, to to have Allie win at the highest level for the third time. You know, it it's phenomenal, right? She's just a, she's a fantastic athlete and an even better person. And um, you know, it's just it's it's really magical to 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 watch them win. Um, when you when you go back in time and you think about you think about the time that you spent with, you know, all the athletes you work with and all the tough times and all the times where the doubting times, um, you know, the athlete can doubt something, um, all the times of just trust and faith in the process and working on the right things and also the trust and faith um, in the circumstances that God's put you in to keep to keep plowing through. Um, it's just fantastic when you see them win at the highest level. It's just so rewarding, you know, for them, number one, right? I'm not even the one hitting the ball, right? But for them and their caddies and their parents, and then you get to their coaches. Um, it's just a really rewarding thing to see. What are you telling your players when they're struggling? I mean, Chad won, and then he kind of slowed down a little bit. But then Allie, best finish was 11th. Putting was, you know, quite frankly, we've all seen it. She's talked about it. It was not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ball striking best she's ever hit the ball. All and then season. I was out what all season yeah. and I, and maybe in her career, she said, and I, I followed her Saturday and she was doing, like you said, ball striking is phenomenal, but the putting, uh, finally came around. Yeah. She saw some putts go in. What are you telling her in any of your students when they're struggling like that to keep doing what you're doing, stay in the process. How difficult is that to keep them doing that and trusting what they're doing and not making big changes? Cause she never did make changes, maybe adjustments, but she never switched clubs, equipment, grips or anything like that. Yeah. Well, you know, we, the, the, the thing I do the most is to keep them organized. So mm. to know why they're doing what they're doing and then to help them organize that, um, that's number one, and, and and so when they get about that way, when they get to the range, whether it's for a warm up, they're organized. They know what they're warming up, or whether it's for a practice session, they're organized. They know what they're doing on the range, um, or if it's for a cool down, they're organized. They know what they're doing. Um, so organization is number one. And then number two is, you know, I'm a big believer that 
golf as a field game. <laughs> you know, I, mm. I have people come in and I still have people come in. Not a lot. I don't teach a lot. I just one off lessons anymore, but I'll still have people come in and they'll say things like, you know, well, you know, I'm a field player. It's like, well, no kidding. <laughs> right? you know, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. It's important. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because, you know, to feed the same feels, right? So if you stay organized, if you, if you, if you stay organized in your practice, then you can feed the same feels. If you stay organized in your training, you can feed the same feels. That way, when you start playing, you know the feel you're going to war with. And, you, you know, um, you know, swing thoughts are that way. You, once you find one that you, once you find one through your training or through your practice that works for you, then you want to feed it, right? You want to feed it every way you can possibly feed it. Because when we get out there and everything's on the line, that's what you're going to. You're going to that feel. So that would be the two things I would I would say. How would you describe play. a field player when they walk in? They say, "I'm a field player, man. I'm <laughs> say, not technical." Say, oh, "Well, I learned the I learned the golf swing through sight. No, you know, I learned, I learned the golf swing through taste. I learned the golf swing through hearing. I mean, it's like no kidding. Of course, we're a field player, right? Um, the trick is, is you know, from a coaching standpoint, is if they stay organized and that feel stays there, and they can grow that feel, and then they can associate that feel to the miss and to the really good shot and to the fix, the fix of the miss. Um, you know, that's the whole thing. So stay in what I always say is stay organized and then keep feeding that feel, stay organized and keep feeding that feel. And, um, as long as, as long as the proof's in the pudding, right. As long as the, as long as you're seeing some efficient ball striking, then stick with the plan, which is, yeah, I had a, one of the college coaches, I asked what separates the elite from the rest. And that was part of your book. Only one shot. And he said, organization. Yeah. I'd never had anybody say that. And I was like, huh? Mm. That was a first. So I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was a great answer mm -hmm. uh, that he came up with. I think that was just really good. I, I think for any player, and I know for me, I didn't want to know a lot of technical things, but yet you also have to have, and I think you've talked, written about tendencies, you obviously have to say, hey, this is what I've done. What caused it? Mm -hmm. How do I fix it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a tough challenge for players of all levels. Right, right. And then when you start dealing with somebody like Allie, then the one thing you know is not a variable is her mind and her dedication mm. to the game. You know, I mean, she is she is a professional reason i call her the qb all the time she is a professional and has been a professional for a very long time of being the same person every day not going down these crazy emotional runs that when you brought yourself up that that other players do right you you saw it at the highest level how players mm -hmm. would win and they'd go down this wild emotional trail and not be the same for a while so she is a pro at that and, and you know and that's to me that's a huge part because then you can be organized right organization feeds to that mind or or a, a solid plan feeds to that mind and then that player can think the same thought all the time they have the focus there to do it and so i mean to your point it's it's very important that you have a plan and that you take that plan and then you run that plan it's very important do you remember the first day she walked in took your first lesson I have, been a while. I have, I have, uh, I have images of like maybe one of her first couple of lessons with her dad, Jamie there, but mm -hmm. no, I don't remember the first day she walked in. No. What did, when she was younger, 
Was there something special that you saw in her then? Uh, you talked about being organized and being professional, but even early on, and you've worked with some of the best kids in Mississippi and in the country players, uh, you know, you've seen that when they walked in. What was it that you saw in her early on that you thought, hmm? I mean, I don't know if you could have thought, and she could, I mean, she obviously dreamed she'd be on the LPGA right. and win three events and the Solheim Cup twice and all the things she's accomplished, but, you know, what kind of stood out? Uh, the, the time you've that, seen it in a lot of kids. The one time I knew that she was going to be, when I knew she was going to be a little different, is she won the North-South. Mm-hmm. When she won the North-South, she came back and she said, um, she goes, I don't know what was up, but I was kind of cutting my irons and drawing my driver. And I was like, okay. And uh, we threw some face tape on there, and she was hitting her irons out of the heel and her driver a little out of the toe. And she was like, oh, that's what caused it? And I was like, yeah. She was like, cool. And then she just said, well, let me hit another one. And in a matter of a few minutes, uh, she started she hitting out a sweet it. spot on both of them. And yeah. so that, that was a real telling sign there that she won such a premier event without her best stuff. And more importantly, wasn't really worried about it. <laughs> right? That's what I know. <laughs> she calls herself a calm player, and I think that's part of what you've seen in her growing up and watching her play. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, I would say that. You know, when her winning that would be the first time I was ever like, wow, you don't have your, have your best stuff to win it. And, and she kind of knew that. And so that was, that, was a neat little, that was a neat little moment. But, no, her coming up, you know, it still kind of goes back to the same thing with um, she, was, or she knew what she needed to do when she was a kid living, living at home. And, um, you know, she had the resources around her where she would – she would hold up her end of the bargain. So if she was working on something, we wrote it down on a piece of paper to do it 50 times. She did it 50 times. You know? It had to help her and you, I guess both, with her staying there in Starkville in Mississippi State yeah. and being so close to you. It had to yeah. really help her for those four years, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think it did help her. I mean, I think any time you have a – at the end of the day, I don't really teach golf, right? I teach people. Mm. So anytime you're around – your athlete a reasonable amount, then they get to know you, you get to know them, and you know everybody knows what everybody's kind of doing. So yeah, I think it's very beneficial to to be somewhere where you can see your coach, you know, once a month or once every forty days, or you know at least right. That way, that way mm-hmm. you get to know them, and um, so yeah, I think it, I think it, proximity was really nice. And she was just, a, you know, Mary Langdon was on that team, right? I mean, they yeah. they legitimately were a – Rico was on the team. I'm going to leave a few out. But um, there were some good players on that team, and they all – Yeah, Jessica. Yeah, there were some good players. I, 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 could, I could speak for, you know, my daughter, Mary Langdon, mm-hmm. that having you and Tim, that she would jump on the couch and just sit oh, yeah. there, and you were there just yeah. to be there for yeah. her. Uh, and you would tease her. She would come in the day before. <laughs> you know, when you got a tournament, right. you know, she, you're as bad as your dad. Right. Uh, but you know, I, I think that was a blessing for Mary Langdon, who got a late start playing. And I, I, I couldn't thank you all enough. And I've seen what you've done with not only we're talking about Allie and Chad and their, and your boys, just just the junior golfers. That and the things that you and Tim have done and have grown there mm-hmm. at Old Waverly is phenomenal mm-hmm. over the course of golly, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, whatever it's been, and seeing some top – Wells Williams going to Vandy, playing Division One. you got kids playing Division One left and right. Yeah. Uh, and I know you got to be proud of that. But back to Allie, 
She said this is the best ball striking this season she's ever had. What were some of the things you kind of – how do you get that much – that little extra out of it? Because she's always been a great ball striker. What did you all work on just to get that so tuned in, so fine? I mean, it's basic setup stuff, right? Ball position, ball position and alignment, just basic stance kind of things. And then from there, her, um, her timings. Mm. So, you know, what gets down there around impact when and what her tendency is with that. Um, and then from there, really simple. It's just we have our little way of making sure that that she is moving good. And then we have our little way of of practicing it. And so, um, you know, she she just she it's all on her. She did the work, of course. And then she stuck to the plan, stuck to the process. She didn't jump ship, you know. Oh, she sure did. And you've got Tim next door. And, and when one of your players is hurt, you know, whether it's ball striking or whatever, do you guys work together, you and Tim and the player? Do you guys you just kind of yeah. stay separate to your own division? How does that work out? Um, yeah, everything that I do with any of the athletes I coach, you know, it's on paper, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, if they're going to – if they're going over to work with Tim, then I'll definitely let Tim know. It's like, Hey, we've been seeing this and this and her ball striking. Cause as long as Tim and I have done it, you know, um, chipping and pitching bunker play wedges and full swing, they're going to all have a lot of commonalities. In them. So if a mm-hmm. person shows up with something, um, if an athlete's struggling with a certain, uh, transition or a certain alignment, then they're going to struggle with it in the bunker. They're going to struggle with it chipping. They're going to struggle with it full swing. So, um, yeah, we, we definitely communicate back and forth. I, you'd have to, right? I mean, that would, you'd have to, yeah, it's, you know, I, I would think. And you do that with your college coaches as well. Sure, correct? Yeah. So, cause it's, it's the, you know, the kid's the CEO of the company, the kid's the hero, you know, we all mm-hmm. just kind of work trying to make sure that the kids organize well enough to, to become as good as they can be. So, you know, we, I, I do my best to treat it just like a company would be. Whereas, you know, if I'm, if I, if I work in, in marketing, I definitely need to tell marketing how much I'm spending so that, I mean, I definitely need to tell accounting how much I'm spending so the accounting can take care of it. And the accounting has to obviously communicate with the sales force to know how much money's there so that they know what to do with marketing. So, yeah, it's a constant it's a constant wave of communication. And that's a big, uh, part, of keeping, heard, a big part of keeping the player yeah. organized and planned. It would have to be. Charlie, her husband, said that, you know, I think we've hit on a little bit, that she didn't change anything, like you said, and you mentioned stayed in the process. You know, what do you, advice do you have for the juniors, the college players, the AMs out there listening to how do you stay in the process when you're not really seeing the results? You've, because you can put all the time in and you can work as hard as you can. And sometimes you just don't get the result. Yeah, well, no, and it may not. Uh, how do you keep them the, doing the, and the staying in the process? The first thing I would say is take whatever your idea of staying in the process and practicing and move it out to about six months minimum. So, you know, don't be the person that's sitting over there doing something for two weeks and going, I'm not getting paid back for this, right? So, you know, when people, when we, when we throw up these terms, like they're staying in the plan, they're staying in the process, they're organized, we're not talking about two weeks. We're talking way more like six months, 18 months, you know, a year. Um, so that would be the first thing I would say is make sure that you have a you have a timeline that makes sense. And then from there, um, decide very quickly you know, what, what the ball's doing that you don't like, and then start figuring out the associations to that. What, why is that ball doing that way? And yeah. figure out how to do it somewhat right at, at slow speed and 
then a medium speed, then a little faster speed, then full send, and give yourself plenty of time to do that. And every day you go out there to, to practice, practice with the purpose of, I mean, for lack of better terms, feeding that swing thought, feeding that feel. When you're, when you're training, feed that feel. Um, the, biggest, the biggest fallout I see is uh, one round or two weeks. You know, I've been working on this a week. I'm still not seeing any return. Mm. Say, well, you know, you can start trying to paint your house in a week and not see any return, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 so I would definitely say put that, put that plan out there and set a plan in place um, where you can work on it for a period of time. You know, we all are guilty of this. We practice what we're good at or what we love to practice. Mm-hmm. We don't really always work on things we need to work yeah. on. What advice do you have for the kids out there to kind of figure that out and separate that? Hey, you're good at this, but you got to work on your weaknesses, but yet you can't not work on your other stuff. Well, you know, how do you balance that? You know, again, it's the, it falls a little bit on the coach's side, right? So, you know, the coach, in my opinion, coaches, really good coaches don't teach golf. They teach people. And so, like, you need to have the, you need to have somebody around, like a coach, and that coach needs to point out. It's like, hey, you know, I understand that you can absolutely demolish your golf ball, but your wedges aren't very good. So let's take this little wedge period of time. How often, you know, how much are you work on that? Well, I'm doing that one day a week. It's like, well, cool. Let's make that three, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and so put that into that plan. Or, or I understand you're a great iron player, but your proximity out of the bunkers, you know, you can't get it. You can't keep a ball within 12 feet. And so let's put that, let's start hitting these bunker shots. You know, what does your practice area look like? All right. Let's, let's hit, let's hit a, let's make a goal of hitting 200 bunker shots a week. Um, so a lot of that is, is falls on the coach and the coach understanding the person. And then the coach setting out a plan that gets the person bought in to, to start applying themselves to areas that they're, they're weaker in because, you know, I, I'm as guilty of it as anybody, you know, when I, when I have a little time to practice, I'm probably not going to go practice the short-sided bunker shot that I really need to practice, right? I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. And so, um, I think that falls on the coach's side, and then the player side ge- ultimately. Let's switch gears. College golf. You've had a Cohen played at LSU uh-huh. his freshman year. Had a phenomenal freshman yeah, he year. Killed it. Uh, solid summer. Yeah. What advice do you have for any? college player including Cohen yeah. that follow that second year how do you keep that momentum going and not putting yeah. too much pressure on yourself you with that play to your expectations you know number one always remember that you are never there never so there'll never be a time in this game when you're safe even if you finish top 30 and get to Atlanta and finish top 30 that next year you're going to play a little tighter tour but you're still not safe and so that's just the way our game is. And then when I say that, the the other side of me says, play to your expectations. So if, if you're the kind of person that can keep a golf ball in a 60-yard circle and hit it 260 yards, well, then grade yourself by that expectation. If you're the kind of person that can hit, um, you know, 13 greens around and you know and I know and everybody knows that at least one of those shots is going to be 25 yards from the green, well, then play to that expectation. So make sure you're out there going, all right, well, I know that I'm going to go out there and play this way. I know that I'm going to have a ball finish 25 yards from the hole, so I'll make sure my chipping and pitching and bunker game and lag putting are tight. Play to that expectation. Play to your own expectations because what happens in nowadays, especially with all the media and all the 
Instagram and all the um, Twitter and all the social media and all the media itself, you know, just the world's so uh, blessed in a sense that we're so connected through media. But what happens is, is everybody throws this up and they say, this is the, the past NCAA champion, or this is the past, you know, this guy finished third at SECs, or this guy, this gal, she won three tournaments as a freshman, or, you know, right? So the media and the world itself, they always try to put little ribbons and buttons on you, saying you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. And then they also try to go ahead of you and say, well, the person that accomplished this accomplished this and accomplished that and accomplished this. And that's just not the real world. The real world is you have expectations on how you play Jim Gallagher. I do. DJ Trollio. Um, and all athletes do. So play to your expectations. And all right, you've had one, two kids now, two sons go through the process. Mm-hmm. The Collins is verbally committed to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. When we did our first four or five, we were rookies on the podcast. We were trying to figure out, you know, how to get those things. We had advice for them, how to pick junior tournaments. Now that you've gone through that process of, you know, picking schools and going through that, what advice do you have for the parents? From the parents' view, not from the instructor's view, I'm going to ask you that second. But first part is from the parents' view. What advice do you have now that you've gone through it twice? Um, that could go a lot of ways. Uh, you know, ultimately make sure that you and your spouse are um, are both collectively together in what you're going to have to sacrifice as a couple and as a family to get your athlete, your child, your kid, to, to get your athlete in situations where they can't accomplish those goals and dreams. I mean, I, I think that's the, the number one. Um, if Allison wouldn't have supported them these years, then, or if I wouldn't have supported, if we would have been split on the support, then it would have been a real problematic situation. Um, and then number two is, you know, find people that are friends that are going through it mm-hmm. and, you know, in a realistic way. And that, and sometimes that's hard because we all get in our little camps um, and do our thing, but, you know, find nice, honest, wholesome, good parents that are, that are out there supporting their kid and encouraging their kid um, to continually get better and just keep an eye out for the other ones keep an eye out for the ones that, um, you know, that, that maybe aren't out there for all the right reasons. When you're looking at coaches and, and I always tell them, you know, they're, they're, they're feeding you lobster and filet when you're being recruited and you get there and they're serving it yourself. You may even be cooking it and cleaning up. Uh, how do you separate that when they're recruiting going full time? You know, when you're looking at those coaches, what were the things you were looking for in coaches well, uh, that maybe these other folks can be looking you for? You know, Chuck Winstead, the coach at LSU, um, has been a real blessing you know, to our family because he's really the first guy outside of us, um, outside of family, and you know, like really close-knit friends that ever really, really, really spent a lot of time and cared about Cohen. Mm. And, um, and so that would be – that would be always what I would say. Um, you know, uh, Coach Malloy and Collins already have a solid relationship. Um, and, you know, Collins, that's going to be Collins' number one guy. It's going to be his first boss. It's going to be one of the biggest mm-hmm. mentors in his life when he gets to Ole Miss. So um, I still say the kid needs to have a very, very strong connection and really want to play for that coach. 
because how about the instructor how about from an instructor's viewpoint which is like i mean it does it does the coach have to be a good instructor does he have to be more of a manager i mean how do you advise how do you advise them that's the tricky part when you and i sit back and we think about it like the people that were the most developmental in our lives did they teach us the most things or did they just teach us the right things for us Mm. and so you know that it's gonna be different for different kids right i don't i don't know that it's um, I don't, th- I don't think you have to be a swing guru or anything like that. Right. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think you have to be a mental guru, but you know, just somebody that you trust and you'll go to war for, um, but from an instructor standpoint, you know, you know I, I mean, every kid, like you said earlier, every kid that shows up is going to have, including me and you, when you showed up at Tennessee and I showed up at Southern Miss and including with, you know, all these kids, when they show up to school, they're going to have things they don't, they don't like to practice. And they're going to have ways mm-hmm. they practice that probably aren't super efficient. And so, you know, that, that college coach is an important part of that, of, of saying, listen, you know, you're, I understand you're a great ball striker, but we really need to work on the slack putting. Or, you know, I understand that you're real busy right now, but let's work on your time management so you can actually carve out an hour for you to, to rest. Um, you know, the college coach is a big driver of the ship. I mean, because this, you know, you know this whole college golf thing it goes forever right i mean they play they play in the fall they play in the spring then if you play well enough then you get invitations to things in the winter and then if you play well enough you get invitations to big events the summer there's no time off there's no time off and so that college Mm -hmm. coach is going to be the a big part of you know hey why don't you let's not play any right now or hey you need to play more right now you know so Mm -hmm. that college coach is is a is a really important person and um and they need to have a strong relationship with them and want to play for them and want to listen to them. you know what i mean yeah that's important stuff. coach 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 fields of texas told me he said my guys don't play well when they first come back they're wore out i never even thought about it i said well your game's in you know golf course is in great shape they're in great they're wore out from the summer yeah made a lot of sense and that's why you see them play yeah. not as many early on uh, play a little bit more further on in the fall and then maybe a heavier spring schedule. So you see that a lot, but summer's coming closer to an end. We're in September already. What advice do you have for your students? Uh, maybe some of the AMs out there to stay sharp this fall. Anybody wants to watch football, anybody, you know, college players are playing college golf. How do they stay uh, true to what they were doing in the summer and, and stay intact with the game? Go back to that ugly word plan, have a plan, mm. you know, sit down with your coach, sit down with your teacher, sit down with your, um, whoever your coaching staff is, right? Sit down with them and say, hey, what do I need to work on the most? And then set out a plan with them and diligently follow that plan. But here's the kicker, right? Don't don't overdo the plan. So if you're only going to practice two days a week, tell them. If you're only going to go to the gym two days a week, tell them. You know, if you're only going to, um, you know, let's say read or study one part, um, tell them if you're only going to play one round of golf a week, tell them. So set up a plan that you can easily do and then do that plan to a hundred percent. I know for the pros and, and even some of the college players, I mean, club switching, trying out new stuff. I mean, I'm allergic to it. it, it it's, it's, I'm it's complicated. To it. it is complicated. I mean, and I think that's when we're going to see in another year. So the PJ tour, season change because there's two weeks off and now they're back at it and they didn't even have time to to if they want to make some changes that's always difficult but uh you know you've been teaching this game a long time you played it at a top level how has your teaching philosophy changed and how you know 
what have you learned over those years you've had over, you know, what are some of the things you've learned and maybe had to change to or adjust to? There's so many, I yeah, guess. There, it's, it's incredible. I think that, um, you know, there's been times in my life when I really thought I knew it all. You know, I was like, okay, this is finally it. This is that system that's going to work, right? And it's like, no, it doesn't. So um, I would think that it, it, that getting on the golf course with my players, that has been an old, old, old true tradition, right? I, I play with you, with Mary Langdon, with Cohen yeah. Gosford. It's like, get on the golf course. Um, so get on. I, that, so that would be one that always will stay, is get on the golf course with my players. And number two would be um, – watch my players practice so don't just tell them what to do actually kind of say look this is what you're going to do let me watch you do it mm. yeah right. hold them accountable yeah just watch them do it right watch how they go through it watch them how they do it and um you know and then number three is like just the game of golf is so hard that you kind of have to do it right and so you know it's just play practice play watch be on the golf course Get somebody out there helping you. Watch your practice. Like, are you staying focused in your practice? Um, and then behind the scenes, it's like now that's that system that teachers kind of work in, so inside. You with me on that? Have you seen the Have you seen the players? Of course, I'm old school. I'm way older than you school. Uh, have you seen? And how do you advise the kids now? They have all that technology out there and all the information, and it's like overload for my little brain. Yeah. What advice do you have for them to kind of understand what their those words and numbers and all those things on TrackMan mean? Apply, them, what, apply, them, to, apply them to the golf course. Okay. Apply them to the golf course. You know, remember golf's a game, and so it's a it's a tough game. Um, and then you're playing it, and so it kind of goes back to that guy that came in and said, "Hey, I'm a field player." It's like, yeah, yeah. you are. So you know take all that technology, let it help you for sure. But, but don't spend six weeks in technology without getting on the golf course, like combine the two. So use the technology to show you what the ball flight's doing or to show you what your body's doing and then figure out a plan to get better, but make sure that involves playing golf. That's great advice. And one thing I always end the podcast with is whether life or golf, you may have only one shot. And that's the name of the book. Oh, available on Amazon. BJ, I appreciate you being with us. Man, my pleasure. You're the man. You're the and man. I'm proud of. I'm, I'm proud of. I know you're so proud of everybody that yeah. you work with and seeing that. That's for an instructor. I know it's the player does it, but for an instructor to sit back and see all the hard work and the hours when you're sitting there going like, ah, is this ever going to pay off? And you've seen it pay off for so many of your students. We appreciate you being with My us. Pleasure. Appreciate your friendship. Thank you, buddy, for yeah. uh, for for jumping on only one shot and doing all these podcasts because you know these coaches and these you've you've talked to some super high end players and and coaches and people and um, they're real people you know and so when when people hear the message um, from them you know I really think it it, it puts some tools in the parents toolbox or put some tools in the kids toolbox or put some tools in the tour players toolbox um and even even tv announcers even tv helps. announcers toolbox that's right exactly because exactly. It's, it's you know nobody can do it alone we all need help and uh so thank you so much for uh for your podcast and, and being a part of that help for everybody all right well until next time i'm jim gallagher jr we'll talk to you see ya thank you Where a mockingbird sings out
Yeah. 